What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? Red Nation News Podcast. My name is Solomon Lee at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Hey, pretty good. It's been a couple minutes. Off-season preview edition of the Red Nation News Podcast. I'm so excited. I said on the last podcast, this is my second favorite time of the NBA calendar outside the, the playoffs. I love the off-season so much, and specifically July 1st. It's just the best. I was watching the jump today, which is, by the way, like my second favorite no, it's a, it's my favorite basketball show of all time. And Rachel Nichols coined the term second season as a way to describe the offseason. <laughs> and I thought it was brilliant. Like, she's absolutely right. The offseason has become sort of a second season for the NBA. It's a it's literally a 12-month-a-year sport. The, the NBA Finals literally just ended last week. And now we have the draft, which is the second biggest end, trade season for the NBA. We have July 1st. The in the off the off season, and summer league, like yep. there's going to be yep. a dead period for about a month and a half, but that's about it. It's going to be one giant roller coaster ride from now until basketball tips off again in late September. Mostly, <laughs> with except for except for in August and September, which will yeah, always yeah. be boring. Yeah, I don't think they they'll have anything to fill that time slot for a while, at least in the CBA. Um, so for the Rockets, I think this is going to be one one big and nice test for owner Tillman Fertitta. Because last summer we was kind of the honeymoon period. He, he had this nice contender gift wrap for him right before the season started. The offseason was over by the by the point that the Rockets sold the team. And he said all the right things about, uh, about Daryl in the front office and the luxury tax moving forward in that press conference. And during the season, he consistently said... He's willing to pay the luxury tax if this team was good enough. Well, we're coming off a year where the Rockets just just <laughs> pushed the greatest team of all time to seven games and might have won the series if not for some bad luck. I'd say this team certainly fits that description. Yeah, uh, they were better than anybody's realistic expectations, uh, and there's no reason to believe they won't they you know they won't still be that good next season. Yeah, even if you brought the same roster back, we're talking tens of millions of dollars in luxury tax payment. This team is going to get expensive. Like it's this is going to be a real summer where he has to put his money where his mouth is. Like we, this is why we were worried about the Rockets, the sale of the Rockets, like last summer. Like we talked about how ownership is so important in the NBA. Like it's 
easily the, num- the number one thing if you're talking about the stability of a franchise, uh, how a franchise makes decisions going forward, uh, money, everything. Like this is why we we were so worried that they had to get this right. Um, this is big. This is going to be like right off the bat. This is going to be a summer where Tillman Tillman's pockets are going to be tested. Uh, yeah, he's about to pay. He's about to pay a lot. Because the Rockets have a lot of free agents, and they have a lot of free agents who are deserving of a lot of money. And more importantly, more than deserving, will be able to demand that much money. Yeah, so I wrote about the offseason for RenaZoops.com, and I basically outlined how the Rockets have two possible routes this summer. And like they can go star chasing, which is going to be really complicated and difficult to pull off. Or they can go the conventional route and bring this roster back unchanged. You and I have watched Daryl Morey operate for a decade now. <laughs> we both know what he's going to do. What he's going to try to do. He's yeah, going to try absolutely. to go star chasing. Yeah, and why wouldn't he? I yeah. mean, if you don't win, you need to get better. If you do win, you need to get better. Right. First, let's talk about the conventional route and how much it's going to cost to keep these guys. Chris Paul, getting up there in age, just turned 33 this summer, and um, going to demand a max contract on the open market, at least three years, a full max. And um, Wadge speculated on his podcast that he thinks that he's going to demand the full max because of the way he was traded to the Rockets and how he forego, like he basically foregoed free agency, gave up $11 million, and that five-year max he could have got from the Clippers to come to the Rockets. And... You know, a lot of people around the NBA just think like they had like a little wink wink agreement. Like, you don't have to pay me this summer, but next summer, like it, you you gotta you gotta bring your wallet to the table. Well, either way, he's gonna demand all of it, and it's gonna be interesting to see what they do. Uh, they're def. I, I guess when it comes down to it, it's gonna depend on what happens uh, before it gets to that, because uh, I guess we'll probably talk about it pretty soon. But there there's a real possibility that. Some some stuff hits some fans pretty quickly uh, this offseason for Houston, but uh, depending on when they, when they do it, they might just be able to like basically give everybody the money they're asking for, and Tillman just cuts a real big luxury tax check this summer. They're talking about Chris Paul coming back like it's a foregone conclusion. Like in the press conference they had the exit interview, um, Daryl was talking about how Chris and James are planning for next year. Uh, not Daryl, Mike was talking about it. And they were talking about how they were making their off-season routines and workout stuff. And, like, basically, like, this was, like, it's all a matter of the financials at this point. Like, he's coming back. I mean, there's no better spot on the market for him to go right now. It's This is a contending team. Uh, Outside of the Warriors, you're not going to get a better chance at a championship than this. And, uh, honestly, like, like, the deal is going to be probably... After chasing a star, this is going to be the most interesting deal of the summer for the Rockets because I don't like I honestly don't know how they're going to approach this. Like you would think the, that Daryl was is I mean Daryl absolutely is going to try to avoid a five year max at all costs. Like he's oh, yeah, not going sure. to pay a thirty <laughs> seven yeah. year old Chris Paul forty five million dollars a year or whatever that is. Yeah, years four and five would be an absolute nightmare in that scenario. Just intolerable. Yeah, he, he he's going to try to avoid that at all costs. But, you know, th- there is this, you know, this this theory that the Rockets had an under the table agreement that he would get paid this summer. And you know, that's possible too. I I personally think the Rockets should try 
their best. Uh, I think the, what's best for both parties may just be a three-year deal or maybe a um, a three plus one or something because I, I he's not getting that fifth year like that that's gone. He's not. Yeah. He's the Rockets are not going to give him that f- fifth year at all. The best chance he has is maybe a three plus one at best, at best, and that fourth year being a team option or a three year deal, uh, full max. Con- I, I, I just, I just can't see it. Like, I, I can't see the Rockets. Like, they're too prudent of, a, of an organization to be paying that much to a thirty seven year old Chris Paul. That they, they're just better than that. Yeah, and I kind of think that it depending on the situation once again on who else they pick up if anybody before then, but. I would not be surprised to see them give him, like you said, a three plus one or a four, but have it like or like a three-year deal that's maximum, just all the money. Give him everything they can in, during that three years to try to buy that fifth year back from him, basically. Yeah, like a Kyle Lowry sweetheart kind of deal. Like everybody was worried about this with Kyle Lowry last summer about the kind of contract he was going to demand, and he ended up taking a team-friendly. Well, I mean, it's still a lot of money. It's a, uh, don't don't get me wrong. It's still a, a crap load of money. But he took a three-year deal, uh, very friendly to the t- uh, to the team, um, and that's kind of what we're looking at. Like that's kind of optimistically what the Rockets are going to want from Chris Paul. Clint Capella, Clint Capella had a breakout season, obviously a monster playoffs, a monster. Like, I-, I did not expect that from him in the playoffs. He elevated his play, was did really well with the increased minute load, dominated his series, like. He, he dominated his matchups. Like he, like that's he had a monster year, and he's going to demand a bunch of money. Like as a restricted free agent, there's going to be like the money. Money's dried up right now, but as of right now, I'm looking at the restricted free agents available, and we're pretty much talking Aaron Gordon or Clint Capella as the best restricted free agent available right now. And I, I mean, I, I wouldn't blame a team at all if they gave him the max contract. Like, would you at all blame Dallas if they gave Clint Capella a max? I wouldn't. No, why wouldn't they? He's shown himself to be fantastic, and especially in the playoffs where you get even more respect for playing well in the playoffs. Uh, so that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think that a lot of teams should throw a lot of money at him, and uh, I kind of think the Rockets need to do everything they can not to let that happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, Kyle has this theory... And I thought it was interesting that the Rockets would try to come to the table with Clint Capella before he goes out to the open market. Like, get a deal done with him before uh, teams chase him with, with offer sheets. So that contract isn't so poisonous. Restricted free agents, by the way, is brutal. And teams try to muck up contracts like crazy. Like, they make they add trade kickers. They front load it. They back load it. They, they do all sorts of stuff to a, a contract to make it as poisonous as possible. To make sure you either aren't going to match it, or if you do match it, like you're gonna pay, you're gonna swallow a bitter pill for it. And if the Rockets, yeah, Maury pioneered that too a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, he did that. With, I mean, he was he pretty much took advantage of the poison pill with Omar Ashik and Jeremy Lin. Like he he was the the founder of this, right? Like he restricted free agency was something he used as an avenue to get young talent and. I mean that this is what this is what other teams are going to try to do, and like honestly, I'm I'm I think that I, I think this is going to be a similar situation to Draymond Green when he was a restricted free agent a couple years ago. Like I think he'll come to the table. I I, I think he'll get a max. I think he'll get close close to a max right up into his max contract offer, which is like four years, ninety six million or something like that, and. 
I think he's worth it, honestly. Like I, I, I was, I, I've been thinking about this for a couple of days, and among the centers in the NBA, like nobody is as mobile as him. Nobody is as good in the pick and roll as him. Like there are, like in terms of switch defenders, he's been a fantastic one of the league's best switch defenders, pretty much since the 2014 Western Conference Finals. Like he's been an amazing switch defender for the longest time. This year, he's this year and last year, he's improved. Like tremendously as a rim protector, and his communications gotten better. The Rockets just like deserve a ton of credit for his development. Like he's year by year improved. He's become a better rebounder this year defensively. Uh, offensively, he's just a guard's best friend. Like and especially in this system where the Rockets run a, a ton of pick and roll, and he's just a constant lob threat. And he's he doesn't care about touches. He doesn't care that he's that he's pretty much only going to get dunks and layups. Like he doesn't want like, you know, these post touches that other bigs around the league frankly need to feel motivated to play defense on the other side of the floor. He doesn't need all that. He's perfectly, you know, fine with taking these, you know, the touches he's capable with and he's excelled at it. He's one of the best pick and one of the best lob threats in the league. He is a Really good finisher. He's a really good defender. And among centers in the NBA, like, he's perfect for this modern NBA, especially when you get deep in the playoffs. I mean, he was so effective in the play, like, again, in that Utah series when he got beat. He would just, like, if when Donovan Mitchell beat him, he would just erase his shot at the rim, like, from yep. behind. Like, and he did that stuff all the time. Like, even when he gets beat, he's so effective. And he. Frankly, doesn't get beat up, beat that often off the dribble. He can hold his own ground, and he's one of the few bigs, like the the one of the few true centers you can play in crunch time in a Warriors series. Like you can't say that about like eighty percent of the bigs in the NBA. Like he's someone you can keep out on the floor for a Warriors series. I think he might be worth the max. Like I, I frankly, if I were a team, I'd give him the max. Yeah, uh, like I, I think you're right, and that's why they are probably going to want to prevent him from getting to uh the open market they're going to give him a very friendly deal maybe see if he'll take a little bit less than the total maximum like draymond did yeah uh and just give him a nice solid contract and he's young so and unlike it's like the opposite of chris paul right you want to give him a ton of years and you know maybe some maybe like a player option that last year uh instead of giving him uh, a lot a lot of money necessarily try to even it out that way because you want him in as long term a contract as you can get guarantee him a huge pile of money throughout his prime and just keep clink capella on the houston rockets uh bench for the rest of his career you can't lose him you cannot lose him like in terms of the open market, there's nobody you can get to replace him. Like even seventy percent of Clint Capella, there's nobody in the market that can do that. Like, like people think that what Clint Capella does is easy, and you can re- replace him easily with like a, a Dwayne Dedman. You can't. You can't. Like he's just such a gir- he's such a great defender, uh, especially as I said before, switching. Um, and he's like he's gotten so much better at communication and the pick and roll stuff. Like again, one of the best in the league. One of the best lob threats in the league. He's up there with Anthony Davis, up there with DeAndre Jordan, up there with any any lob threat like you know Rudy Gobert, any lob threat you want to put up in the in the league. He's up there with all of them, and he finishes at the rim really well. He doesn't have to dunk. He can do layups and stuff. He can finish, you know, with euro steps and stuff like. He can run the floor, which is something 
damn near no bigs in the NBA can do. Like, there's like four or five like centers in the NBA that could run the floor like he can. Like, he legitimately glides when he's running the floor. And he, and the Rockets throw him these really scary passes in transition. Like, he leaks out a lot. So, he, so James Harden would throw him these really scary passes that only James Harden would try. And uh, and he'll, he'll, he'll catch the ball and he'll dunk it. And finish over two people in transition. Like, the guy is so skilled and so mobile. Like, he has great feet, great defensive ability, as I said. High IQ guy. You can't lose him. Like, there's nobody in the market that can replace him. Young guy, you're only ascending talent, which I think is really important. This is an old roster. And in a roster that's aging like the Rockets are, you need as much young talent as you can. And to retain that talent, like, that's tremendously important. Yeah, uh, you can't let him go. That's just all there is to it. Uh, I don't see him going anywhere. People have talked... Yeah, people talked about like, oh, what if they have to lose Clint Capella? I don't think there's any scenario where you accept losing Clint Capella. He's such a perfect fit. He uh, he is extremely young. He's that's the biggest deal with him is that yeah, like I said, they're an old team. And they need a young guy who's going to be able to keep around, who can play all throughout uh, James Harden's you know the rest of James Harden's prime, such as it is. So yeah, uh, I think it's pretty likely that they end up having to pay him that pile of money. <laughs> and I think they're going to do it happily. I think that uh, that Tillman Fertitta will will buy him a, a dinner at one of his Landry's restaurants and and get him a drink as he gives him the biggest paycheck of his life. Yeah, like he he's either going to get a Draymond type of contract or a Stephen Adams type of contract where there is no where there is no haircut. Where, either way, you got to bring him back. Like frankly, like this idea that they like oh uh, what if you have to lose it? Well, they're he's a restricted free agent. You can go over the cap to keep him. Like even in a scenario where they try to go after a star player, you don't have to lose him. Like yeah. this, this is a similar situation to like Chandler Parsons back in 2014, where where um, the Rockets could have added Chris Bosh and matched on Chandler Parsons and brought him back, right? But you know the only difference is Clint Capella is a much much better player than Chandler Parsons was even at that time. Like he's you got to keep him, and you, there is no scenario where you have to where you have to lose him, even to go after star power. He's not preventing you from acquiring anybody you want to acquire. Nope, it's, they have to do everything by way of trades. Yeah. Also, let's go ahead and talk about Trevor Ariza. He's also a free agent, getting up there in age two. I think he's also age thirty three, uh, and he's he's declining a little bit. In all areas of his game, pretty much. Like, he's like, there's no specific area of his game you can point to where, like, yes, he's declined. He's declined tremendously there. He's just gotten a little bit worse as the years have gone by. He's not like when the Rockets first signed him, he's legitimately one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. He's not that anymore. He's a fine perimeter defender. He's a good perimeter defender. Not, not necessarily, you know, an elite level perimeter defender. Like, he's. Pretty much um, what you want as in terms of a three and day three and D wing. If he was like four years younger, right? He's 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 getting up there in age, but I think the Rockets are still going to try to keep him because I mean, if you look up and down the roster, there's there's I mean, unless they unless they hit it big in free agency, there's there's nobody you can replace them with. Maybe you can bring back Lukamba Mute with your taxpayer mid level, but I mean. Still, you're you're lacking wing depth. If you only bring him back, they need every single one of those dudes. 
they need all of them. <laughs> That's all there is to it. They have to have. So what kind of contract are we have... talking about with with Trevor Reza? See, there. That's that's a difficult one. I feel like he's probably going to be like one of the last guys to get re-signed. Uh, well, unless depending on how he wants to go somewhere else, but I don't know. I don't see him really wanting to go somewhere else, right? He's pretty central to their team. He's very important. He's one of their many switchable guys. Uh, I don't know. I think that you don't want to give him a lot of years because he's got about to age out pretty bad. So they might also have to like give him like a front-loaded contract. Uh, they gave him that like the declining contract last time, which I I have no idea how he feels about it, but it was pretty useful for the team. But yeah, eight years, thirty-two million. Yeah. I mean, no, four years, thirty-two million. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, which was an incredible deal then, and yeah, is still now. Uh, so they, I don't know, maybe they give him like a giant pile of money for a brief period of time just to to maybe kind of mollify him. I'm thinking like this is a similar situation to Andre Iguodala where. Other teams may try to overpay him to break up the team or, or make you pay as much as you possibly can. Uh, like the Warriors might, like, they, they might try to pay the Rockets back for what they did with Andre Iguodala last year. Like, honestly, like, there's this rumor that, uh, you know, Chris Haynes reported uh, on a podcast somewhere that, um, that the Warriors are very interested in Trevor Reza and might try to get him to take a pay cut to sign with him. I don't think that's true. I think, that, I think that's Trevor Reza's. Uh, agent leaking stuff to Chris Haynes, uh, so the Rockets get a pretty good idea where he's at and how much money he's going to demand uh, on the open market. I, I I honestly think the Rockets are going to probably ha- going to have to swallow the pill and pay him like ten million dollars a year for like two or three years. Like I think they'll be could, lucky if they get that. Yeah, yeah. You might have to front load the contract, like as you said, like and pay him like. 12 million this year and you know 8 million next year or whatever um they're gonna try and make that contract as short and as friendly as possible but uh i think other teams are like specifically the warriors i think the warriors are gonna be a team that's gonna try to make the the rockets uh pay a heavy amount of luxury tax um because the rockets did the same thing to them and it's smart and it's why wouldn't you try to do that um luke and the Rockets don't have bird rights for Luka Mute, and they pretty much only have their taxpayer mid-level exception, uh, which is going to be $5.4 million this year uh, to keep him. And that's an upgrade over his uh, over his previous contract, which is a veteran's minimum. Yeah, one of, at the minimum. <laughs> one of the best contracts in the NBA signed last summer in terms of dollar for value. Uh, really, really great defender. Like, one of the best... Like, People think Trevor Reason one of the best defenders in the NBA. Luka Mbamute is actually one of the best defenders in the NBA. Legitimately great. Uh, switch can switch multiple positions. The only problem with him is he he's just not as reliable as Trevor Reza. Like Trevor Reza, yeah, it's not even that. It's, it's like Trevor Reza game to game. He's just a durable monster. Like he's just like game to game. You can rely on him to shoot threes and defend adequately. And game to game, you can't expect that from 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 Luka Mbamute. Like Luka Mbamute is not a great shooter. He's uh, not as healthy as Trevor Ariza. Like that's kind of the reason he's been getting these vet minimum deals for the past couple of years. Like this isn't his first year with shoulder injuries. He had this with the Clippers, and like the shooting really hampers him, especially come playoff time. Like teams sag off of him like crazy and take and take their chances. And, you know, like, for the past couple of years, he's made teams pay. But, I mean, this year, his shoulder was so jacked up. 
that I think it might have hampered his value. Like, frankly, like, like a team might try to take him, right? But, like, a smart team might try to scoop him up for cheap. But I, I don't think that, like, other teams are going to be as, like, I don't think, like, I don't think he's going to demand, like, as much money as, like, let's say Andre Robertson did last year. Like, I, I think he's going to get, because of the shoulder injury and how his season ended, I think he's going to get underpaid again. I don't know what kind of contract he's going to get. I think the Rockets are going to try to bring him back for that taxpayer mid-level exception. And I think they should try their hardest to keep this guy. This guy is so good as a defender. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're probably going to have to eat up their mid-level exception for that. And the problem with him, uh, and the reason they would have to use that exception, is that they only signed him for one year. They don't have bird rights. They have, I think it's called pre-bird rights. So they can give him like a little bit of a raise. They can give him like a 20% raise over the minimum or something without eating into any, any exceptions. But beyond that, which that'd be really low. That'd be like under $3 million. Uh, so anything beyond that, they'd have to use up and some or all of their mid-level four. And if it's be, if it's above that mid-level, like if he wants more than that, you know, 5.6 million or so, if he wants uh, 6 million plus, they can't keep him. <laughs> so, uh, they have to hope that his trade value or his, uh, not trade value, his signing value has been damaged by this. Uh, because if some other team does think, does agree to terms with him more than that, there's nothing they can do. They can't, they can't offer him anything more than the mid-level exception yeah like uh he might be an unfortunate cost of uh the rockets cap situation like he might be someone that the rockets may have to let go even though they really should try their best to keep him with their mid- mid-level exception like he he may be someone that just outprices them it really depends it really depends on the market honestly like a lot of money is dried up so you may have that advantage over him but I mean, can you really say that a team is not going to offer him over $5.4 million per year? It's really going to depend on him more than anything. Is he willing to take less? Is he willing to take another haircut for the team? Is he willing to take yet another cheap contract uh, to come back and contend for the, with the Rockets? I don't know. It, 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 it's a real mystery. Uh, right now, I think that he probably will, just because uh, it seems like that locker room gets along really well, and they have really good reason to believe that they have that they could be in the finals next season. Because uh, just you know, the, the Warriors aren't going to meaningfully upgrade; they don't have any room to do so unless like LeBron goes there for the minimum or some stupid like cockamamie fantasy like that. So uh, they don't have any reason to believe they can't get back, get right back to where they were. Uh, that if they can just stay a little healthier, maybe they can go farther. And Luke's got to be thinking that, you know, if he was fully healthy, that things would have been a lot different. And I think that's the case. So I think they've got a good pitch to him this season. I think especially Chris Paul, his, you know, his old buddy is going to be able to, if he's probably already there, he probably doesn't need any convincing that that was the case. So uh, it, I, right now I'd have to speculate that he probably would come back for some part of some or all of the mid-level exception. Because uh, why wouldn't they want to finish what they started? And hey, it's a big upgrade over like the what like two million he was making last season. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Like um, the Rockets have a like basically half their playoff roster is gonna be a free agent, including Gerald Green, which we we really didn't talk about all that much. <laughs> I mean, and I feel I feel bad about it. Like he actually did play play his off in the playoffs. Like he like he contributed, gave the Rockets good minutes, especially when guys went down. Gerald um, Green has been a positive addition to the team the entire season. Not hugely positive, but, but but positive. Yeah, great locker room guy. Like the the Rockets love him. The city loves him. 
Uh, great locker room guy, great culture guy. I don't, I don't think the Rockets would give him any more than a minimum. No, <laughs> I mean, I think he, I'm being I think honest. Like, yeah, I think he's back with that, like, maybe minimum plus 20% or whatever. They're yeah. not going to use any exceptions on him, but I think he'll probably come back for it, and they'll be happy to have him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and get to the fun stuff. We wasted 20, 27 minutes talking about how the Rockets going to bring their, their their free agents back. We, we and buried yeah, the lead yeah, quite yeah. aggressively. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did that on purpose because I, I know we're going to spend the next 15 minutes talking about what, what we really want to talk about. So the Rockets had their annual exit interview, uh, as, as we talked about earlier in the podcast with the media like a while ago. And Daryl's comments have really haunted me for the last two weeks. And I feel guilty <laughs> That we didn't make a bigger deal about it, what he said on the last podcast. Like, so Jonathan Fagan of the Houston Chronicle asked, basically asked Maury how it was possible for the Rockets to bring, to both bring back their free agents and go after a high level free agents. And Maury responds with, We have new math, so that should tell you something. What the hell is he talking about? Those words have kind of rolled around in my head for a couple of days now. If, if the Rockets pull some crazy this summer, this is the Maury quote I'm coming back to. Like, this is the Maury quote we're all going to come back to. This is going to be the we have something up our sleeve of this summer if they actually land a third star. I mean, the funny thing is, I don't think they really need new math. It's not really that crazy how they can land uh, a big-name star right now. It's it's kind of funny that I've seen can a lot of coverage. Before, before you go ahead, uh, I don't, I don't want to cut you off there. I have a theory about this. What's and, your theory? Is and it this, a conspiracy theory? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, let's, let's hear it. And this kind of goes along with my theory from last week. I think the Rockets secretly have a team lined up to take Ryan Anderson, and they're ready to dump his contract the second they have to. Like, like, like they did. They've been doing their due diligence on Ryan Anderson for over a year now. Like, that's kind of an under the radar thing. Like, they've been talking to teams about Ryan Anderson for a year now, and like this idea that they don't have a couple ideas in mind. Like for teams that would be interested, or that they don't have a team that's interested in Ryan Anderson, I think that's kind of crazy. Like, like especially if you're giving draft picks back, and I don't think the Rockets were willing were willing to give up draft picks in a Carmelo Anthony deal. They would definitely be willing to give the, give up draft picks in a LeBron James deal, in a Paul George deal, and he has one more year left on his one last year left on his contract. After this year, he becomes an expiring contract, which is of real value. And I don't think that's being said enough. Like a twenty million dollar expiring contract next coming year, season, yes. Next year becomes and, and and you know you may be thinking what's what's Atlanta or whatever team they're gonna get they're gonna trade Ryan Anderson to uh, gonna do with an expiring contract? They are they already have loads of cap space and no free agent wants to go there anyways. Well, hold, here's the thing, man. An expiring contract to Atlanta may not mean much, but they may be willing to flip that contract to a a, a team that's strapped for catch, which. There are a bunch of teams right now strapped for cash. Look at Charlotte right now. Look at Portland right now. Look at Detroit right now. There are a bunch of teams right now that are strapped for cash because of the crazy 2016 summer. And, you know, they're just eking for cap space right now. That contract becomes valuable in a year. Ryan Anderson, $20 million expiring next year, becomes becomes valuable in trades, all that stuff. Nobody's talking about this, and I think it's crazy. Uh, Yeah, it's definitely going to be a lot easier to trade him you know, this season, this summer, the next summer, or the previous summer, because as you said, uh, after the coming NBA season, then he'll expire the following season. Two years, $40 million left in his contract is a lot better than three years, 60. Uh, and they probably have better reason to do so. 
I mean, I was going to ask you, do you like have somebody in the Bulls organization so you know they're going to take that contract? Or uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I this is this is just me throwing a shot in the dark and adding to my theory. Like again, la- last podcast, uh, if you remember, I, I said I think the Rockets are shooting Ryan Anderson this year. No matter what happens, regardless of anything, I think I think he's gone because Jan- January the Rockets made a strategic d- decision to bench Ryan Anderson and. That's when his contract really became hard to justify. Like I, I defended his contract up until January, and when when the Rockets moved him to the bench, it was no longer a twenty million dollar a year starter. It was a twenty million dollar a year reserve. And yeah. when when they couldn't play him in the second round series against the Utah Jazz, a team that he's had a lot of success against, when they couldn't play him in that series, like you can't play him against the Jazz, like. <laughs> the, 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 to me, that was, that that really opened my eyes. Like, the, I I have a hard time believing that he's going to be on the team next year. Like, Daryl Morey and the Rockets have not held on to bad contracts for more than two years. Ryan Anderson at this moment is a, since they've signed PJ Tucker and they found a decent replacement at the at the power forward position has become a bad contract for them. Yeah, he's he's not useful to them anymore. Uh, yeah. If he's not useful in the playoffs, he's not useful. That's kind of all there is to it. Unfortunately for him, he got hurt late in the season, and it exposes how much they didn't need him. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess he's an okay backup, but yeah, he just he doesn't do all the things right. They need guys who are able to switch on, you know, two through five or whatever, two through four positions, and who can hit a three. Like if Ryan can't do something special like create for himself, which he can't. Uh, he doesn't offer anything more to the table than, like I said, P.J. Tucker does. And yeah, Ryan Anderson's a better three-point shooter than P.J. Tucker, but it's not enough to offset all the downsides of him. So yeah, I I can see them getting rid of Ryan Anderson no matter what takes place. Yeah, like especially, like we just talked about it, man. Like They're going to be paying a crap load of money, like upwards of $40 million in luxury tax. $40 million in luxury tax. That's, that's insane on top of their existing salary. Like, like they're gonna pay ninety plus million dollars in salary, yeah, and I'm underselling it. I, I don't know exactly how much they're going to end up eventually paying. They're already paying like sixty eight, seventy million, something like that, and they're going to pay Ryan Anderson twenty million dollars a year to sit on the bench and not play in the playoffs. Like I, I have a hard time <laughs> believing that that's gonna happen. Like like uh, and, and and Kyle from our side disagrees with me. Like like I think they might just trade him into space anyways. Like or you know find a way to get less value like or better value for him in a trade like i just have a hard time believing he's on the roster next year i i think when the Rockets said we have new math that should tell you something <laughs> i think I, I i sincerely think they're talking about ryan anderson i said i i really do i that, that that that's i mean that's the only way you can theoretically create new math you can't restructure yeah. deals in the nba like you're not going to restructure james harden's and uh, deal to get it like to to get him to take like ten million dollars a year like that's not happening like the, you don't do that in the NBA so like this is the only way they can theoretically create a new cap situation for themselves yeah like and and moreover if they do have a taker for Ryan Anderson his contract goes from being a negative to incredibly useful for this particular situation right the, the, like as I said like if the Atlanta Hawks have him it's different from the Rockets having him because he is first of all they get draft picks for him. And they can also get other stuff for him the minute they flip him for to a team that's strapped for cash, right? Yeah, and, for some like useful vets or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, 
Let's talk about LeBron, man. We've been talking about LeBron for damn near nine months now. Half of this podcast has pretty much been LeBron Watch 2018. Uh, <laughs> he obviously even when, has... we're, even when we're not talking about LeBron, we're still talking about LeBron. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's great how the Rockets and LeBron have been like create like indisputably linked for the past year. Pretty much the moment they traded for Chris Paul, these LeBron rumors would not stop. Like it's just been twenty four seven. LeBron watch Zach Lowe had that column back in I think it was October maybe even like November or December about how maybe we sh- like his, I think the line was maybe we are underselling the idea of Le- of the Rockets somehow acquiring LeBron James and since that point in time we haven't undersold it at all like that like <laughs> the, the the Vegas he spoke line spoke it into reality <laughs> yeah the Vegas line for LeBron and the Rockets is like the Rockets are in the top three. Pretty much in any sports book you check, he's a, he, the Rockets are in the top three for his services for the money line. Now the, they've, they've actually fallen a bit, which is funny. Yeah, and they were they were number one at the beginning. Remember, like like they yeah. opened up as as the like the favorite to land LeBron. Then time passed, and now it's the Lakers and some sports books have briefly. Yeah. yeah, some sports books still have the Sixers. So right now the Rockets are still in the top three, and I I, I don't expect that to change anytime soon. But again, this is Vegas, but. Like, I mean, if you look at winning situations across the league, the Rockets are it, man. The Rockets are knocking on the door. Like they they push the again. We they if not for a Chris Paul injury, they're in the NBA Finals and they might be NBA champions as we speak right now, right? Like if not for a Chris Paul injury, if not for yeah. twenty seven missed threes in a row, like a bunch of uh, bad luck, uh, in an unfavorable whistle. Like I'm not gonna call it. Uh, bad officiating or whatever. I, just, I call it in favor of whistle, right? Like it wasn't the cause didn't go their way. It's fine. It happens sometimes, right? Um, all that stuff combined and prevented them from making the NBA Finals. And we're here now. And like in terms of winning situations across the league, we're pretty much talking Philly or Houston. Philly actually has the space to acquire LeBron James outright. And uh, you know they're a young up and coming team. They won fifty two games last year. If I'm Remember off the top of my head, I think I think that's how much they won. Joel Embiid's twenty four years old. Embiid's, I mean, not Embiid. Simmons is like 20, 21. Really, really young supporting cast, but really, really good supporting guys. Like Embiid might be one of the fifteen best players in the NBA already. The guy is ridiculous. Uh, Simmons is one of the best passers I've ever seen for his age. Like that. If you're talking about like winning situations, it's pretty much Philly or Houston. And I have a hard time selling myself on LA, though I'm not going to completely dismiss it as, as some people have. Like they have two max cap slots, and it's the Lakers. And that that I mean, since you and I have been watching basketball, the Lakers have always had an allure about them, and it's never disappeared. Like, and I know the past five years, it's it's been, it's been kind of depressing watching them try to land like meetings with free agents. Like Lamarcus Aldridge <laughs> turned them down. Like, like it, it, if you told me that. Like in 2005, that Lamarcus Aldridge, Lamarcus freaking Aldridge was gonna turn down a meeting with the Lakers. Like I would, I, I wouldn't have believed you. I would not have believed you. But yeah, their their allure has faded a little bit. But it's, I still think with Magic coming in, with Palinka coming in, the young, the young assets they have with Lonzo, Randall, uh, Ingram, and two max cap slots like, and Kuzma, um, like th- I do think it's an intriguing option. But I really do think. Like the two favorites right now are are Philly and Houston. Uh, I I do think that 
Los Angeles has a little more appeal than people think, not so much because uh, of winning, but just kind of what they represent. Like, I think that if LeBron wants to take his legacy in a different direction, slash just kind of play out the string and have a good time, that's a very appealing option. I've said it before, if I was LeBron, I would likely go to the Lakers just to, uh, you know, to have an extremely pleasant, like, last five years of my <laughs> career or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that being said, you know, if he goes there, the assumption, I guess, is that, like, they also pick up Paul George or something. And then who knows what can happen. But, uh, yeah, I don't – this is sort of the thing about LeBron is that there's not really a lot of great options for him this season because everyone is well, pretty cash. Every pretty, every pretty option has a drawback, I would say. Yeah, like a meaningful one, right? So I want to yeah. go down the list. Like, uh, the Lakers have the drawback that they're only going to be good – if they pick up Paul George, and even if they do, there's really no guarantee they're going to be as good as Houston or Golden State. In fact, they probably won't be. Uh, so that's that's a big problem for them, right? That like they're a few years out from being that good, depending on the development of their other players. And LeBron doesn't really have that much time, and neither does Paul George. Maybe they can convince themselves that they'll be good, but then you're just going to have LeBron not even making the finals, most likely, in the West, which is a real step downward for him. So maybe he trades the the glory of the finals for, you know, uh, an infinite number of fans and the adulation thereof. But that seems like a weird choice. Yeah. Uh, if, if he goes to the Sixers, uh, that's a pretty good call. He's going to be able to win pretty soon. They're still pretty young. They're still going to have problems in like the next, I think like one, maybe two playoff seasons. Eh, probably two. Uh, young players do and have issues during the, playoffs. The Sibin shooting thing is a real issue, right? Yeah. Yeah, it makes it hard to play him next to LeBron also, which is fairly yeah. bad. Uh, so the upside, though, is that he can basically run the team. The downside is that he can basically run the team. They're picking up a new GM after the whole Brian Colangelo burner mayhem. God, uh, like I, I, I so badly want to talk about that again right now, but we're not. Like, we we <laughs> hit it. It's, it's done. Yeah, continue. Uh, so he, I think it does appeal to him that he basically would be able to run things. But we've seen that LeBron is an amazing player, and he as he has the intelligence of a coach while he's on the floor. But he is a bad GM. You know, <laughs> like the guys that he wants to pick up are not the guys who actually make a coherent team. Uh, so that might be appealing to him, but I think it would, in the end, not be a great idea. And also, like I said, he has a whole bunch of really young players. It's very iffy how he's going to do uh, in the playoffs. He probably would make, like, he would still have to be favored to make the finals every year, but I don't think it'd be a big enough upgrade over his current situation for oh. the next few years for him to actually challenge the Warriors. Oh, I think it would be a big upgrade. I'm not sure if they challenge the Warriors, but I think it would absolutely be a big upgrade. I mean... Yeah, I think they win two games instead of zero in the finals. Oh, sure. Yeah, if you're talking about like that much of an okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Like it's 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 gonna be there's gonna be some ups and downs with a young team, and uh, you don't want LeBron to go in there with a bunch of control, especially if he does this thing where he signs a bunch of one year deals. It makes the front office make a bunch of short term decisions. Like that's yeah. where it really gets messy. That's pretty what pretty much happened in uh, Cleveland, uh, and and the and. He leveraged his contract situation to get the get the Cavs to sign guys like Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith to huge contracts. Um, now they're hamstrung by them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I get what you're saying. That's I, probably overall his best choice, honestly. I still if think he wants it's, to stay yeah. in the East. Yeah, and like keep going to the finals. Uh, 
But the, there is an allure and drawback to Houston, right? So if we look at Houston, the allure is that Chris Paul is there. Chris Paul is his probably his best friend in the world, as far as everyone can tell. Uh, he knows that going there, as long as he plays in the system, right? As long as he like doesn't need to have the ball every single possession, which maybe he doesn't want to. I wouldn't want to if I were him at this point. He can just kind of go at half speed in the regular season, and they're just going to crush everybody. That is an assured contender like not just contender but like a super contender but they do have the ability as we've been we've been dancing around to pick him up while only losing one meaningful rotation player depending on how the, the deal to move ryan anderson goes because ryan anderson's no longer a meaningful rotation player almost certainly eric gordon is going out in a deal that uh, brings in lebron james but eric gordon to lebron james is an upgrade of immeasurable quality yeah, okay, so I'll get to what I was going to say. So, LeBron, his comments after the finals really struck me. Like, uh, so, I think it was Mark Stein. No, it was Howard Beck who asked him, like, like, what do you take into, what are your priorities going into this offseason, right? And he basically asked him without directly asking him that. He said, like, are your priorities from last offseason, I mean, the last time you switched teams, the same time, uh, you know, the same ones from this this time, right? And he pretty much said, yeah, they're the same. I want to play with talented, cerebral players who can see things on the floor develop before they actually happen. I mean, that pretty much screams Chris Paul and James Harden, right? Like, that, that those comments really struck out to me. I tweeted it, and everybody ran with that uh, to, to, to go with it, whatever they wanted it to mean. Like, he's talking about Lonzo. He's talking about Simmons. Ben Simmons actually liked the tweet of... Uh, of Benson of LeBron saying he wanted to <laughs> yeah. play with cerebral players, so you know, like I, I, I love. By the way, I love, I love free agency so much. I, I'm getting off topic, but yeah, like that really struck me, man. He wants to play with intelligent playmakers. I mean, flat out, he wants to play with guys who know what the hell they're doing, who, who aren't bringing the ball out while they're tied in, in a NBA Finals game with the game on the line. Bringing the dribbling the ball out and, and and letting the clock go to zero, like he does not want to play with J.R. Smith again, like he just doesn't. Like he like that's he doesn't. He wants to play with uh, a a talented supporting cast that knows what the hell they're doing, and that strikes me as you know he wants to play with veterans. He wants he talked about him being in championship mode for the next you know however long his career is going to be. Like I'd say he still has a good three years left in his prime. At minimum, right? Would yeah. you agree with me? Yeah. So he still has three LeBron years left, and three LeBron years. Like you, you think he'd want to play with more experienced veterans rather than you know the Lakers and and Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma and and you know Ingram and or the Sixers with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and have to teach these guys all you know all the tricks. In his craft, or you know, pl- try and frankly have a re- rebuilding project again. Like he had this in, when he came back to Cleveland, like with with Kyrie Irving. Like he doesn't want to have to have that mentorship anymore. I I don't think. I, th- I think he really just wants to win. And who would like, want to do that? Yeah, who would want to have to be daddy again? Yeah, it, it's just it's just asking a lot. Like having to teach a new a new group of players who probably aren't as hungry as him yet. Like, you know, I'm sure Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid have real aspirations of that championship, but they aren't starving for a championship like James Harden and Chris Paul are. Like, James Harden and Chris Paul 
almost tasted it last year. Like they, they were on the brink of it last year, and they want it badly. And you know they want it badly. Their comments say they want it badly. Their work, everything they've done this season says they want it badly. Chris Paul being thirty three tells you he wants it badly. Um, they want to remove all doubt at the end of their career. So why wouldn't you want to play with guys like that? Like to me, Houston's a really attractive destination. Uh, and I, I completely understand why they're in the top three. So we should probably talk about how they can make this happen. Cause it's, it's incredible. Again, it's incredibly complicated, complicated, especially with the cap situation. The Rockets are in. Well, I do want to note the drawbacks for Houston, for LeBron, uh, which there are a couple of them. They're real. Uh, one is that he would basically, we're about to get into this, but he would basically have to opt into the final year of his deal, uh, which is maybe not what he's looking for. You know, he, he would probably like to, to make that deal even larger than that, than, uh, than just opting into that last year, which is still plenty big. Well, it, it's, it's, notice, it's notable that the last year of his deal is actually larger than a new contract first year deal. So the first year of, of, of his next yeah. new contract, that $36 million a year figure or whatever he has for the, for the last year would actually be larger than the first year of his next deal. So there is some benefit, but I get what you're saying. Well, unless it's with the Cavs, correct? Like the Cavs could still offer him more, presumably? Yeah, for five years a year. Yeah, so uh, he wouldn't be able to, to – or he also wouldn't be able to necessarily get like a super long deal there. And more importantly, I think the biggest drawback for LeBron going to Houston is that he would not be in charge of the team. I mean, he would certainly have a lot of clout, but I think straight up he would not be the boss of that team. Like, he would easily become the boss of a lot of other teams. This is so it's sort team. of yeah. yeah, it's Daryl's team, and it's also Harden's team and Chris Paul's team, right? Like, they have a real coach. They have a real GM. They have a front office. They have an organization. They have other stars. Uh, they have a system that works. So the benefit is that he could just kind of chill and not have to be the entire system. He wouldn't have to be daddy again. But the downside is that he also wouldn't be able to do that. Like, if he comes and says to Daryl Morey, like, I want to be able to make final decision on, on personnel, I don't think Daryl Morey decides that, right? I don't think he says, like, flat out, like, no, you're the boss. I think he's like, no, we'll, we'll talk about it, right? And I think they're also the only team who doesn't have to take that from LeBron. Like, I think if LeBron says, I'll join your team, but only if it's understood that I'm in final charge of, like, every decision, they're going to be like, mm, that's probably a bad idea, right? Like, we don't want, we don't need to give you that, we can we can just continue to exist as the contender we are and confident that we'll do so uh, without letting a player run the whole system, which would be extremely like unhealthy for the organization. So I think there is a little bit of concern there. He would have to actually not be the mo- like the number one alpha and omega of what that team does. He would have to actually, for the first time in his career, uh, defer to a front office who actually is is good at things. I mean, he di- he didn't really defer to the Heat very much, and that was a conflict with him. So I think it's worth wondering what that's going to mean to him and potentially going to Houston because he's a smart guy. He knows this is how it would be. Yeah, with that being said, I do think the Rockets take input from their star players. Like Daryl is Oh, they do. They yeah. certainly do. Yeah, the, like Daryl has talked about this. Like he consults with Harden on everything. He, he's done this for six years or however yeah. long Harden's but, been uh, here. But Harden's not the boss, right? right. He yeah. still he does not okay he does not like, you know, decide every front office move or move or whatever. Uh he just has like a reasonable amount of input into it. Yeah, so LeBron will have some say. Same with Chris Paul, same with Harden. But he, you're right. He's not going to have the say. Like, like Daryl's not going to get bullied by 
by uh, LeBron to sign an aging an aging player like J.R. Smith to a ridiculous contract uh, like the Cavs did, right? Like that that's not gonna that's not gonna fly here. That's the way Daryl's operated. That's the way he's always operated. He's smart. He's forward thinking. That's why he's so damn good at his job, right? That's why we always talk about him as being one of the best general managers in the league. So he's not gonna get he's not gonna get bullied by su- by subtweet LeBron. Like that's not gonna happen. Yeah. At the same time, like I, I've heard the sentiment from from some Rockets fans, and I I can't believe it. Like I, I, I people people have told me this to my face, and I, I, people in my mentions have said this. I've heard this on the radio. I can't believe there's a sentiment of Rockets fans that don't want LeBron James. Like that blows my mind. And it, it's it's kind of making me angry right now that there's there's people out there that legitimately don't want LeBron James on their team. And I make jokes about it during uh, during the playoffs. Like like every time uh, LeBron would, would do something ridiculous, I would tweet like Imagine not wanting LeBron James on your favorite team, right? Like I, like the, I'm poking fun at these people when I say that because these people exist. I'm not making it up. I've met these people. Yeah. Like there there are people who don't want the drama that goes with LeBron. Listen, it might, is it gonna get annoying when P when PJ Tucker gets subtweeted in mid January? Maybe, <laughs> but who cares? Who can, you have LeBron James on your favorite basketball team, one of the three greatest players of of all time in NBA history. One of the if not you know there's he's continuing to build a case that he may be the greatest player of all time. Right? Can can I uh, can I take a stance that's kind of adjacent to that stance and uh, explain it out? Go ahead, man. Okay, so I am not totally unsympathetic to that view, which is to say this, and I'm going to try to do this as like specifically as I can, which is that uh, I wish the Rockets didn't have to consider signing LeBron James, if that makes any sense. Uh, I would prefer a universe where this Rockets team, as it currently exists, was able to win this championship, which I know it's a stupid thing to say, duh, of course I want that. But I think that there's a certain there's a certain value to it being James Harden's championship and somewhat Chris Paul's championship of those guys being the ones who did it. Because when LeBron comes in, it's a different team. And I feel like that team is better, and I want that better team. But there's a certain uniqueness to the current Rockets team that I would potentially miss a little bit. I think it's spiritually preferable to win with this team. Uh, to go full bore, just massive arms race, get LeBron, it's not exactly the Rockets anymore. It's, Le- it's LeBron plus the Rockets. Uh, it's still the Rockets. It's still a championship for your city. LeBron is still amazing, and I, and I love watching him. But it does take a little something away from like those of us, and I count myself as one of them, who absolutely love James Harden and his game and want to see him get all the glory in the world. Oh yeah. Okay. So like we talked about this in our group chat, and uh, I'll get into this. But yeah, the, you're you're right. Like there is an element of like this team was extremely lovable, right? Like it was an extremely fun Rockets team to watch. They played defense. They're one of the best defensive teams in the league. Uh, James Harden was incredible, an MVP candidate. Play, averaged thirty points per game. Had some phenomenal nights. Really entertaining nights, especially when he had, when he had that step back flowing. Uh, Chris Paul was a unbelievable second star to have. Uh, Clint Capella is so fun and really fun to have as a release valve for your offense. The PJ Tucker again, gritty guy that you'd love on your team. This team was really lovable and really fun. Uh, and I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, the Rock Rockets fans are totally gonna give. They're, they're totally gonna give LeBron the KD treatment in that like 
what I'm talking about is the way Warriors fans yeah, treat exactly. KD right now. That's the way Rockets fans are going to treat LeBron when he gets here, and that's fine. It doesn't matter as long as you're winning. You, you know, you're who cares who gets the credit? Who cares um, like how your fans feel? Who cares about all that? Like, like it doesn't really matter in in a basketball sense. But I understand from a spiritual sense what you're talking about. Like, like it's more fun to watch James Harden. And your home, he's he's not really homegrown talent, but he's basically homegrown talent. He's been here he's since he's twenty two. Much longer, yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, in my opinion, I would rather the universe where the Warriors don't have Kevin Durant and the Rockets don't have LeBron James, because the Warriors are more fun before Kevin Durant. And I think in a certain way, the Rockets will have you know if on on the chance that they pick up LeBron James, I think they will have been more fun without LeBron James as well. Like I think there's. Uh, a little bit more identity the fewer stars you have so uh i would rather see those two teams duking it out but they have to pick him up so to be able to beat this this current warriors team yeah or, they, or at least to be to ha- they need to pick him up to uh increase their chances i think they can beat the warriors currently but of course you pick up lebron james he makes your team much better right yeah it's with that like again like I understand what you're saying. Like, like, like again, James Harden was. There's so, no choice. Yeah, there's you, no choice. You don't have a choice, right? But like, I I want to get back to what I was saying. Like James Harden, I think Rockets fans specifically have an attachment to James Harden because they've watched him grow up from a 22 year old who was just learning how to grow, how to be the best player on a, on a team to what he is now, uh, a soon to be MVP, uh, almost made the, the the NBA Finals with him as your best player. And I understand all that, and I, I get the the adoration you'd want as James Harden being the best player on our title team. Like you want him to get Finals MVP, you'd want him to erase all all the the playoff doubt by himself. But it's LeBron James. You know, it doesn't all that yeah. crap doesn't matter. All that all that crap doesn't matter because it's LeBron James, and he may take you to three straight finals because he's that damn good. And he's one of the the best. He's, he's the best player of this generation, and one of the greatest players of all time. And you take him no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. You can dis- you can discuss the prices thereof, but there is no question as to whether or not you 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 sign LeBron James. Yeah, but R- Rockets fans are totally going to give him the, the the KD treatment. Like they like it, we talked about this in our group chat. Like people are going to have more fun when James Harden's going off on Rockets Twitter than they will when LeBron James goes off. Like they'll love it when yeah. LeBron goes off, right? Because like, well, he's a, not ours. Yeah, yeah, he's not. Yeah, you're one hundred percent right. You you took the words right out of my mouth. The Rockets fans are going to feel like it's not theirs, and it, there's a certain ownership to having someone uh, in your friend in your ball club for six years and wanting to see him climb the mountain and get it himself. But again, the Rockets are in title chasing mode. It doesn't matter. All that stuff doesn't matter. Uh, it, I, I'm sure Rockets fans would much prefer a championship over all that all that flowery BS. Like <laughs> I think I think they don't care. Like I think I think the front office absolutely doesn't care. No, of course they don't. Why would they? If you if you if you gave Daryl Morey truth serum right now, if he cared which way he won a championship with J- James Harden as his best player or LeBron James as his player, he would absolutely say he doesn't give a damn as long as I get the title. The, the sooner the title, the better. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Like, what we're getting a title? Where do I sign? Where do I like that? That's where this front office is. That's where they've been the past few years. Like they are so damn hungry and. If if it takes getting LeBron to to get over the hump, you do it without it without a doubt. No yep. questions asked. Oh. Show me the dotted line. I'll do it. Right. So yeah. So how do you get LeBron James? Is the question. He says yes. Now what? 
Okay, so this is how it's done. It's basically what Chris Paul did last year, the opt-in trade. And you have a small period of time to get this done, pretty much after the draft and before June 29th. A very definitive timetable to get this done. After that, it gets very difficult because before the draft, you can't trade your pending first-round pick because the Rockets traded their last first-round pick. So you have to wait for the draft to be over so you can trade two back-to-back picks because there's a rule in the NBA CBA called the Stepien rule, right? Where you're you're not allowed to trade back-to-back picks. It's put in there to prevent front offices from from front offices from doing stupid <laughs> and and pro- it protects them basically. Um, so you can't do it before the draft. You have to you have to wait till after the draft so you have all your assets to trade. And the reason I say you have to do it before June 29th is June 29th is the opt-in date, the last day you can opt into your contract. So LeBron James obviously has a player option for 2018-19 and he has to opt into that by June 29th and ask to be and request to be traded to the Rockets uh before that date. So you have that very definitive table to get a deal done ideally. There are other ways to get LeBron, but it, it involves getting hard capped if you do a sign trade or yeah. it, it would involve um basically gutting your entire roster, asking people to take pay cuts um and all that stuff. Like it would require like Chris Paul take a pay cut, Clint Capello take a pay cut, all that stuff to get LeBron on your team. So yeah, that, and you can you can evade all that stuff just by him deciding he's going to uh, go to the team in that window of time. Yeah, so th- so they have to rush him at this point. So like the recruitment process sh- should have oh, already. You know, started. Chris Paul is already. Yeah, he's already all in. Yeah, it should have already started. The the minute the buzzer sounded on the NBA Finals, Chris Paul had a text waiting for LeBron in his inbox already. Like by halftime, the text message should have already been sent. He probably sent it like while they were in the Western Conference Finals, man. <laughs> yeah, they've probably been talking about it all season. They they do not monitor player uh, contact with other players because it basically is impossible to do so. It's not tampering. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like even even stuff that like would be considered tampering. It's just there's such a fuzzy line that what are you gonna do? You're just gonna tell players they can't discuss like work stuff. Like that's just you can't do it. You can definitely keep you can keep Daryl Morey from talking to LeBron. But Chris Paul can talk to Daryl Morey as much as he wants, and Chris Paul can talk to LeBron James as much as he wants. As a middleman, right, yeah. So um, let's talk about the, the components of the deal. So the Rockets would have to send back at least $20 million in salary. I, I, off the top of my head, there's probably more than that, but, I, but I'm thinking off the top of my head. So it's like a 120% rule, right? You have to send yeah. within 120% of the contract, uh, within 20% of the contract actually is the right way to probably put it, over or under, right? So they could send back Ryan Anderson, and Ryan Anderson would be going to a third team, a third team because the Cavs are not going to take back. Don't Ryan. want that. Yeah, yeah they are not going to take back Ryan Anderson because they are not to. They're not going to lose LeBron only to pay luxury tax for not having LeBron James on, his, on the, and a mediocre playoff team. Basically, what the Cavs would be without LeBron James, right? They're not going to. They're not going to pay luxury tax next year. If they're going to lose LeBron, they're going to they're going to do what, do what they can to get rid of all the bad contracts on their on their on their roster. And so they're not going to take back Ryan Anderson. That's a non-starter. So you'd have to trade Ryan Anderson to a third team. And this is what I'm talking about when I say, I think they have a third team lined up. So they would have to trade Ryan Anderson to a third team and trade him into space with draft picks because that third team is not going to take back Ryan Anderson's contract without significant compensation. So that would be at least one first-round draft pick, if not multiple first-round draft picks, Right. To compensate yep. LeBron James trade, they know what they know why you're trading trading Ryan Anderson. Them, they're not stupid. 
they, they're, they're going to make you pay for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're going to squeeze you for every draft pick they can. And you do it because it's LeBron James, right? Obviously. And um, and so the Rockets have to trade back uh, draft picks in reaction to them. And that third team could either send back contracts to um, to Cleveland or you se- you'd send back additionally Eric Gordon and um, P.J. Tucker to Cleveland. And those are good contracts that Cleveland yeah. could trade. You don't necessarily need to send P.J. Tucker also, uh, but, depending yeah. on how things go. So there is the chance that you can just be sending out Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon. That's the dream scenario. Yeah. But, we may but, or may not find out if that's realistic. Ideally, that third team has contracts that they would like to send back to Cleveland, and so they could help you and be an actual participant in the yeah. trade rather than taking back space. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, if yeah, well, if Eric Gordon picks up, uh, if Eric Gordon pick or, or Cleveland picks up Eric Gordon, then it more or less works, even if they don't have like a lot of contract to send back to Cleveland. The problem is, uh, and David Weiner's done a good job in, in out in talking about this. Like the moment they picked up George Hill. Getting Eric Gordon became really, really complicated because George Hill is owed $20 million next season. That's a lot of damn money. Yeah. And and that if to pay for, to pay a guard. It just makes it doesn't make a lot of financial sense to to pay Eric Gordon in addition to George Hill all that money. Um Eric Gordon's a nice player, a really good player, really good uh probably can be it's better. It's a good contract though. You can you can flip that contract, but yes. Sure, but you can't trade him right away, right? You have to wait a certain amount wait, of time. Yeah. yeah. Or so, or unless you just want to trade him by himself, in which case you can't flip him right away, but Right, yeah, you you can trade him by himself. Uh, you can't trade him any package deal, but most deals are packaged. So, um you're right, yeah, but they they, they can trade him technically, but only in a deal by himself and or they can try trading Rodney Hood um, and some other salary to come off the roster and just keep Eric Gordon. Who knows? But that's how de- that's how the framework of a deal would theoretically work. It's possible, but it's going to take a lot from all parties to accept. First, uh, the biggest hurdle is getting the commitment from LeBron. LeBron has to get that commitment. You have to get that commitment from LeBron. Then you execute. Yeah, that- basically then- now. By the yeah, way. <laughs> yeah, basically. Again, you have to get it bef- uh, after the draft and before the June 29th. That middle period is all you, all the time you have. You have you have to you have to get you have to be recruiting him right now, hard and fast. And after July first, it gets incredibly difficult. It's possible, but it's incredibly difficult. Yeah, it makes things a lot messier. You have uh, to gut the roster. Yeah, that's when it, that's when it changes over the uh, financial year for the NBA, and things are a lot different. So whether it happens before, it's either going to happen like moments before or moments after midnight turning to july <laughs> it's the long the short of it yeah yeah basically and uh again you, it's incredibly complicated to do average July first but it's possible you you have to renounce a lot of people you have to ask people to get to take pay cuts so maybe that's the new math that daryl was talking about maybe, yeah. well <laughs> it, it, it also depends on like for example if if lebron opts in and then it becomes july 1st you have a bunch of different numbers which we have to i have to go over the numbers but it may or may not prove like more useful for them cuz the main thing is that he needs to opt into that contract and he has to do it by the 29th yeah yeah so um you want to talk about paul george uh sure why not paul george is pretty good paul george is very good uh, paul george is uh, another star to be rumored in the Rockets' direct line of sight in free agency. Basically because the, there's been a report already by Kelly Iko that the Rockets are going to aggressively target Paul George. And Wadge confirmed it on 
this draft special that ESPN did that the Rockets are going to try to get are going to very aggressively target Paul George. I think yeah. like that's going to happen. They? Yeah. yeah, and so it, to get Paul George, it's going to be a, a similar situation to LeBron, but a much a much easier situation in that uh, his Paul George contract isn't as big, and you're not you're not just trading Eric Gordon to a team that. Um, that doesn't want to be good. You're trading him to a team that wants to be good because they have Russell Westbrook in his prime, and they have like so. Basically, you you have to. Paul George has to go to Oklahoma City and say, "I want out. I'm out. Yeah, get something for me right now." And you could you 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 could theoretically trade Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, some nice pieces, a first round pick maybe, uh, to Oklahoma City. Get Paul George, and it can be a clean, you know, team to team trade. But that's if a Oklahoma City wants to play ball, and who knows how that relationship has recovered since the James Harden trade. God knows if Sam Presti wants to do a, do a deal with Daryl Morey ever again. Um, <laughs> there's some doubt there, but listen, if Paul George is leaving, you get something for him if if he gives you the opportunity. So the same thing would have to happen. June 29th is, is the last day, and you have to do it after the draft. And yep. Um, you could you could theoretically do it after July first, and it'd be more easy. It'd be easier to uh, to suggest the money's that, a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, for Paul George because his max is going to be lower. Also, you can easy. You, it's easier to tell Paul George to take a pay cut rather than LeBron James because LeBron James is first of all he's LeBron James, one of the three greatest players of all time in his prime, uh, thirty three, vice president of the Players Association. Uh, it's it's that's a tough sell to LeBron. A much easier sell to Paul George. Yeah, uh, and I think Paul George would be... I wouldn't call that a consolation prize. That's also a massive prize. Yeah. Uh, he would be an extremely good fit, I think, in that system, taking basically the uh, basically the Eric Gordon or like P.J. Tucker role. I think you just... In that case, you give them like whichever one of those two guys they prefer overall because the money is a lot easier to make work. Um, it, it's so a can, much cleaner fit. I'll say that it's a much, yeah. it's definitely much easier to make it work under the Rockets' current system of offense. And yeah, his his role becomes quite clear. Uh, he's I Trevor think he's on ex- steroids. Yeah, he's an excellent second or third best player for sure. Yeah, uh, and that really just raises your ceiling a lot. Like I think that this is an extremely exciting scenario. It doesn't come with a lot of those weird spiritual like questions that LeBron does. I think uh, right. You always want to take LeBron rather than Paul George, but like taking Paul George is fantastic. <laughs> that's an that's an incredible A plus plus off season. Right, the Rockets tried to get Paul George last year, and um, it's possible that you know this is this is the year they could pos- they they actually land him. You know, it it really depends on on Paul George's mindset going into free agency. If he's so de- if he's really dead set on LA, which a lot of people do think around the league think he is. Uh, same maybe had they report. Two years ago, about him, you know, asking out of Indiana because he's going to the Lakers, right? Like he's like he told Indiana yeah. up front, "I'm going, to, I'm going to LA as soon as my contract is over, trade me," right? And he put them in a, in a tough spot because they got leaked to the media, and it was basically impossible to trade him at that point because they had no leverage. And um, so he, so a lot of people think he's still dead set on LA. We have no idea. He hasn't talked about LA in a long time. Um, he's had this year with Oklahoma City. And it was a, I, I don't I don't know what to describe that year. Like it was it was a fine year. Like they they won forty six games. They they had a competitive first round series, but not not a not a good year or a particularly successful year. Just a fine year. Like it was like 
they achieved bare. It was a comparative discount, though. It was way below what they expected and right. what they what they needed. So right. it's going to be a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was definitely like it, they like internally they were definitely thinking we're getting to the second round with without a problem and pro- possibly the Western Conference Finals. Like that. That's definitely what Oklahoma City was done was thinking when they traded for Paul George and. A lot of people thought they would make the conference finals or even get to the second round, and man, they they've underachieved all year. And you know, it's they achieved basically the the if you were to ask me the bare minimum amount of wins and playoff success you could have with the the, the roster they had, I would say exactly what they did. They'd win forty six games mm-hmm. and lose in the first round. That's the bare minimum of that roster, basically. Yeah, uh, I don't think they have to be happy about it, but I don't know what's going on in Paul George's head. I don't know what's going on in any of their heads. There's a lot of there's a lot of questions for that Thunder team, and we're about to see how they answer them. I think that we've kind of all gotten distracted from it by these other, honestly, more important storylines going on, but that's a big tornado of drama just looming over there. Yeah, so God knows what Paul... Like, nobody really knows what, what Paul George is going to do. A lot of people are so dead... Like, especially in the media, a lot of people are so dead set that he's going to L.A. I'm not so sure that's still the case. Like, I, I, he's a competitive player. Like, this idea that he wouldn't try to explore other options is kind of crazy to me. Like, he's... Like, he really is that hell-bent on L.A. Like, he wouldn't try to go to, um, let's say, you know, the Sixers and be a competitive... Uh, team in the Eastern Conference, like be a legitimate contender for the for the NBA Finals. Like I, I have a hard time believing that. So yeah, Paul George is a. Let's talk about his basketball fit. Fantastic defender, one of the best defenders in the NBA. Legitimately, probably the second best perimeter defender in the NBA after Kawhi Leonard, a healthy Kawhi Leonard. Would you say like he's yeah. he's up there? He's up there yeah, with like so. his own teammate Andre Robertson. Like he's damn good. One of the best defenders in the NBA. Fantastic shooter. Like, a really, really good three-point shooter. Shot 40% from three this year. He's around a 37% career three-point shooter. So, you know, all in all, a pretty good three-point shooter. Good off-the-dribble threat. Um, likes to ISO a lot, but I think in, in, in the Rocket system, I think they can mold him to be a... Like, he's a very moldable player. Really good really good cutter. He can do everything. Yeah, so. he, he can do a lot of things. Nothing he can do exceptionally great except for defense. For defend and, and and shoot the ball, but a very very solid, as you said, second or third option on a championship team. Should the Rockets should go choose to go that route? Yeah, uh, I'm excited about it. I would love for that to happen. Uh, like I said, it's it's unqualified excitement about that possible uh, outcome. Right. Yeah. Because as you said, you, the stuff about James Harden not being able to win with his own team that goes out the window because he's still the best player on the team. Right, and he's still all the spirit of the team would still feel the, the same, and you know you don't you don't you don't feel guilty about enjoying an NBA title with, with Paul George on the team, right? As you maybe you would with with LeBron James, and and the, that's pretty much the situation the Rockets are in. Again, it's gonna be we're talking like it's it's likely the Rockets don't get any of these guys. Like it, yeah, that's the most likely scenario. We have to remember that. Yeah, it's like we're we're just talking theoreticals here. This is the off season podcast. This is our most don- downloaded podcast every year. Uh, I, I wonder why. Um, <laughs> everybody loves the off season, uh, and th- we're 
we're get we're getting into it strictly because these are the possibilities and we should discuss them. And the most likely route is that they bring back their core and go at it again and improve around the edges. Like that's that's probably where they what they try to do. Yeah, yeah, just kind of run it back maybe with some upgrades. But you know what? That's not bad. That's not that's bad. Really good. So we've got an hour and fifteen. I could go on this for at least another fifteen minutes. I'm excited. I'm sure. I'm sure you're excited. Like the, again, this this quote about we have new math, so that should tell you something. That's been that's been stuck in my head for the longest time, and I'm so glad we got to discuss it on this podcast. Uh, if the Rockets do something, we're gonna come back to that quote and say, "Aha!" Like th- this is what they were talking about, right? And yeah, um, it should be fun. I've never like in the history of Daryl Morey, I've never had a boring offseason. Like I've never seen a boring Daryl Morey offseason. Like even when they brought back their core after 2014-15, they traded for Ty Lawson, like which a lot of people forgot. <laughs> um, they they're always consistently a fascinating storyline going into the offseason because they're always aggressive for star pa- power and they're always doing stuff. They're always talking to talking to teams about you know possible trade discussions. So this is always one of the more interesting teams to talk about, and this offseason should be fun. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Give us a good rating on iTunes if you the show. Follow us on Twitter at Red Nation Hoops and at Do Nots. Um, and yeah, thanks guys. <laughs>